everybody else, you're welcome to turn in your Bible to 2 Peter. We're in chapter 3, beginning in verse 8 through verse 10. It's found on page 1,209 in your pew Bible. Again, that's 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8 through verse 10. There it's written. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Peter's been writing this letter, and he's, he's made it fairly well known to us that there's criticism coming the way of the church, that there's scoffers even within the church that are now existing. They're saying, hey, Peter, you and the other apostles, you've been claiming Jesus is going to return but you're now dying off and there's no signs of Jesus' return coming any sooner than, it are, than has already been foretold. And so Peter's gone through this letter. He's given a defense of the doctrine of Jesus coming again. He's taken us through scriptural evidence. He's pointed us and said, hey, Jesus himself promised he would come again and Jesus is faithful to every one of his promises. And he goes, and it's been the teaching of every apostle. He goes, it's not just me, but it's also the apostle Paul. It's also the apostle James. It's, it's all of the apostles. It's been part of their teaching that Jesus is going to return. And while he has defended this doctrine and held to it and wanted us to hold fast to the doctrine, not fall prey to false teachers, not, pray, not fall prey to scoffers or let doubt begin to creep in our own minds and our own faith about Jesus' return, he hasn't answered their criticism directly, at least not until now in this moment. Because see, their question has been, why hasn't Jesus come yet? What is taking Jesus so long to come again? And so in our scripture today, Peter addresses it and he gives three answers to help give an answer as to why he hasn't come yet. And the first answer he gives us is he says, the Lord is not like us. Right? The Lord is not like us. He writes, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Right? Peter argues that the Lord is not like us, that his understanding of time is vastly different than ours, which explains a lot of things, right? Right? It, I, it can explain why when we pray and we're, and we're searching for an answer right of way, and we go, oh yeah, it's in God's timing, not our timing, right? That's something we have to remind ourselves because God's timing is completely different than ours. 
A thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. Peter here, he, he's quoting Moses from Psalm 90 when he says, God is everlasting to everlasting. That before there was anything, there was God. Right? Before there was anything, before, before any of us existed, before the world existed, before the universe existed, there was God. And then in Genesis, we're told that, that during the creation story, that there it was God who created time, right? He separated the day from the night. And that's how we're able to keep track of our days. That's how we're able to tell time. And so God is outside of time. God is eternal. You, you know, it's hard for us to fully grasp how a day could be a thousand years or a thousand years could be a day. But if we take a moment and we think back, there was a time when we were four years old. And when we were four years old, one year was 25% of our life. No wonder it took forever for summer to end and school to start back up. And then when we suddenly turned 50, that same year that the four-year-old takes forever because it's 25% of their life, at 50, it's only 2% of our life, right? So time begins speeding up on us without us really realizing it. And, and so for the, the little kid at four, a year is forever. And at 50, we're like, yeah, that was just 2022. It went by quicker than 2021 for some reason. And everything goes faster than 2020. But now factor in that God is eternal, right? From everlasting to everlasting. God is eternal. He's outside of time for he's the one who created it for us to be able to number our days, for us to be able to call a day, to call morning and to call evening, to call night. And so Peter pulls on this understanding that the, the Lord is different than us. And thank God he is different than us. Because we seem to be of the nature of immediacy. Yet his timing is not our timing. The second answer he gives is he says the Lord is patient toward us. He says the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I believe, as Christians, that when we come to a full understanding of God's patience, and, and we really understand his loving kindness and his grace wrapped up in, in patience, it completely changes our lives. Because it's the coming to the moment that, that we were in the midst of sin. As Paul would say, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, proving God's love for us. In the midst of our rebelling against God and his statutes and his laws and his ways, knowingly and unknowingly, he sent Jesus to die on the cross, shedding his blood so that we would have forgiveness. And his grace is, is so amazing and his mercy so great. But the, the hidden aspect through all of that is his patience. 
Because understand this, when, when he calls us into repentance and, and, and we have faith in Christ, we don't have to get our life together. We don't have to have all of our sin in our life put to bed, but rather we come broken. We come, we come still in rebellion and we come and we say, no, you are my God. Thank you for saving me through Jesus. He is my Lord and Savior. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to be perfect before, before coming to Jesus. In fact, we come pretty messed up. And, and for a long while, we stay pretty messed up because there's this growing and this maturing in Jesus that we're all going through. We're on this journey of faith, and we find ourselves at different places during this journey. Some of us are passing by one another, and others, uh, we're having to drag along, kicking and screaming. And we have others that we know that, that are seemingly miles ahead of us, and we're like, how did you get there? But for all of us, every day the Lord is patient with us. He's patient and he's kind because he's going to remind us of our sin. There's going to come something that happens this week and the Lord's going to convict you of a sin. And it may be the very first time he's convicted you. And, and if so, and, and you're one of those people that he convicts you of the sin and you repent right away and you go to him, praise God for that. But most of us, I would imagine, drag our feet, kicking and screaming, saying, I don't want to change, at least not yet. I want to keep going on this road that I'm going because I think it's actually best for me. Or I, could, I can stop any time and, and go to the Lord. And yet, the Lord doesn't write us off. He doesn't wash his hands of us and say, well, now I'm done with you. I'll see you on judgment day. That's not how the Lord works. The Lord, rather, is patient with us in growing us in grace step by step through this journey, working us towards the fullness and maturity in Christ. See, we worship a God who is patient. And when we realize or, or take a moment to admit God has been patient with us. It opens up a whole new world. Because we're not very patient people. If we begin to survey the world around us and the way we live, even just 10 years ago, Amazon comes out and they offer prime shipping. And now you can order something on Monday and have it on your doorstep on Friday. And we're like, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And now in 2023, when we go to Amazon, if it's not going to be on our doorstep in tomorrow, never mind, I don't need it. I'm not going to buy it, right? We, we get impatient. We want things yesterday. We need it now. There's an immediacy to, to how we go on to live. And, and in fact, we even are impatient with ourselves. It's almost as if uh, we make a mistake in life and, and we're trying to follow Jesus and we'll trip and we stumble and, and we sin and we make a mistake and then we get hard on ourselves and, and we're impatient with ourselves. I should have known better. I should have done that. I can't believe it. How will God ever love me again? And yet there God is, patient in his loving kindness still embracing us, still holding us in his hands, never letting us go, never forsaking us, but our God who gives us grace and salvation is the God who is patient with us. 
He understands that we're fallen people. We're going to mess up. But he's going to love us through it. He's not going to quit on you. He's not going to wash his hands of you and say, I've had enough. I'll see you on judgment day. And so when we finally come to that fullness of understanding of God's patience, it, it, it changes how we deal with ourselves, but more importantly, it changes how willing we are to give grace to others. Because far too often, we judge people a lot quicker when the truth is God is far more patient. And we know this because we've experienced it ourselves. The Lord is patient towards us. This doesn't mean, should we go on sinning? By no means. But recognize his love and his patience are bound up together within us. And, and as Peter writes, he, he's telling us, don't neglect such a gift. Don't despise the mercy of God. Don't, don't take advantage of what he's given you as grace and mercy and patience and use it as a doormat to walk all over God's grace. Because he says the final answer he has is that the Lord's coming will surprise us. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Peter gives reason for Jesus' delay, but he ends with this warning for us not to make light of the grace, for us not to use it as a doormat to keep on sinning or to wait till later to get our act together. That, that while the Lord isn't like us, that a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And while he is patient with us because he wants to see everyone come to repentance, he doesn't want to write anyone off, our mistake is often that the Lord's time is different, that he's patient, but we act like a petulant child. Right? If, you've been, if you've been a parent, you've had this moment where the kids are disobeying, you've told them to stop. And then it comes the second time, you tell them, to, hey, you need to knock it off. And then comes, hey, I'm going to count to three. If you don't knock it off, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. And so you start counting. One, two, they're still doing it, aren't they? They're still doing it when you say one. They're still doing it when you say two. And they're really not going to be finished doing it until the end of three. And then only if they know you're going to follow through with X, Y, or Z. If they don't believe you're going to follow through, oh, man, you could count to 100. And, and, and we, with God, we, we, we treat them like we're petulant children, right? They've told us, hey, God, Jesus is going to return. Like a thief in the night, Jesus is going to come again. And yet we continue to live our lives in this world, goofing off and disobeying and not taking our faith seriously because we're like, ah, you haven't even started counting to three yet. Is he really coming? He hasn't come yet, right? We're, we're much like the scoffers than, we're much more like the scoffers than we would care to admit. 
we're much more likely, ah, he hasn't come in the last 2,023 years. And by my clock and estimation, he's probably not going to come tomorrow. And that's what Peter warns us of. He says his return will be like a thief, sudden and unexpected. And that his return, as he's discussed, as we've seen through Scripture and Jesus' own words, Jesus' return is certain, and he's going to come like a thief. So therefore, none of us should be caught unprepared. Yet I wonder. I wonder if we begin to take stock of our lives and begin reviewing them in this moment, that if Jesus were to suddenly return this afternoon, would you be caught unprepared? Would you be caught unready for his return? My guess is that if we find ourselves unrepaired for his return today, it's likely because we've used God's grace as a doormat to keep living the life we want to live and not the life he's called us to. That we've taken advantage of his goodness, his kindness, of his patience. And the truth be told, we haven't taken our faith as seriously as Peter calls us to take it, as Jesus calls us to take it, as seriously as scripture demands of us. So I urge you, take hold, take heed of Peter's warning. Don't delay, for the Lord has not come yet. And that's because of his loving kindness and patience, but he is coming. So use this time to repent, to believe the gospel, and to give your life for the one who is from everlasting to everlasting the God of all glory, our creator. Amen? Amen.